Welcome, friends, to the Generations Radio Broadcast. Kevin Swanson, your host with you, Bill Jack from Worldview Academy, with me as well. Coming back to church attendance ratios right now, one of the significant things that is happening in the socioeconomic situation today across America and across the entire Western world is the breakdown in church attendance, the massive apostasy, the largest apostasy in the history of the Christian church over 2,000 years, occurring in just 13 years. I think that's the thing that's so shocking, if you look at the Gallup polls, you look at the Rasmussen polls, Bill, the trends are just incredible, as if something happened in 2009, and I would call 2007, 8, 9 the time frame in which the Christian world and life view dissolved in the United States of America, and it is largely evident through the church attendance ratios. Uh, I cover all this in The Rise and Fall of Western Civilization, my book, Epoch. But uh, the Rasmussen survey just came out. Weekly U.S. church attendance now 21%. That's uh, post-COVID. So 21% right now. Give you an idea. 48% in 2009, 28% in 2019, now 21% in 2022. So dropping off an additional 8% in just the last two years. Uh, that's coming off the cliff. That's that's a trend chart that looks like this you know you got the the 44 46 48 percent over a period of 100 years and then boom it falls down to 21 yeah. percent in 13 years mm-hmm. that's called falling off the cliff mm-hmm. uh, that surprise you uh no i think we're just reaping what we have sown just and, the and, suddenness of it though is one of the most remarkable yes. trends in all yeah. of our you know socioeconomic indices i've seen but that's the way history works i mean there are civilizations that that gradually abandon God, and then there's a precipitous drop in their influence, in their power, in their greatness, in their goodness, because it's a long time coming, but God is not a God to be mocked. Now, we want to encourage the remnant. Church in Sardis, strengthen the things that remain. Mm -hmm. The dead and dying church, what do we do? Strengthen the things that remain. Get fired up with Whatever remains, hang in there, go to church, don't apostatize, don't develop an attitude against Jesus, against the Holy Spirit, against his people. We don't do that kind of thing. And as you begin to see the indications of apostasy, the softening, the squishifying of doctrine or whatever it is, man, just shore that up. Go back to the Word of God. Apply it to your church, your situation. Repent. Do the first works. You know, Go through everything that Jesus tells the churches to do in Revelation 2 and 3, and watch out for the Elijah Syndrome. You know what I'm talking about when I say the Elijah syndrome? There he is in the cave. Oh, is me. Oh, is me. I'm just the only I, one. Where only are I you? am left. Where I only are, I am left. are you, God? You know, it's interesting what God does. He, there's Elijah. He says, woe is me. I, only I am left. And God says this. He says, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? He said, well, they persecuted the prophets. I, only I am left. Mm-hmm. God says, oh, by the way, 7,000, not just. One, you're you know off by six thousand nine hundred ninety nine. <laughs> Seven thousand have not bowed a knee to bail. And then the next mm-hmm. thing he says is this: Go, yeah, go. What are you doing here, Elijah? Go, get back on track. Go disciple the nations. Get your rear end up. Yeah, and get about the business that I have set you to. And I think that's the word for a lot of pastors who are discouraged. Now we're going to talk about discouraged pastors. Pastors are going to are wanting increasingly to walk off the reservation. 
they're they're ready to throw in the towel. And it's interesting because Elijah had been fed by God by the ravens. He had a brook with water in it, and God dried the brook up. He sent the ravens away, and he says, "Now go, go. I'm I'm tired of feeding you. Yep. I'm tired of pampering yep. you. Get on I, with I, it, big I've guy. Let you, I've mm-hmm. left you rest. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. but don't sit here and whine. Exactly. Okay, I'm not going to give you some cheese with your wine." <laughs> Okay. <laughs> That's one way to put it. <laughs> well, friends, one last takeaway before we take the break. This is interesting. The apostasy seems to be stronger among those of European derivation in the surveys. Listen to this. 49% of blacks compared to 29% of whites and other minorities said faith is very important still in their lives. The lapse of faith among those of European derivation is phenomenal. And by the way, this is the way my book Epoch begins. This is how I begin it. This is a simple story, but one that needs to be told. The fall will stand out in world history as paradigmatic as the fall of Jerusalem or the fall of Rome. The lesson is a simple one, just one more iteration of the Proverbs 16:18 principle. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. That's effectively the lesson of this 780-page book, Epoch, the Rise and Fall of the West. It's just simply Proverbs 16, 18 all over again. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. It's hardly worth defending the truism by historical example for this divinely ordained law stands as true and obvious as the force of gravity. The Apostle Paul issued the clarion warning to the early European church while describing the spiritual downfall of his fellow Jews in Romans 11. Do not boast against the branches. Do not be haughty, but fear. In the course of history, the Western Gentiles boasted. They were high-minded, and they did not fear God. That is the story of the Christian West, and there isn't much more to add to it, except that I added a 780 pages. (laughs) Okay. The European Gentile Christian world boasted, and now look at it, an embarrassment to the whole world. Be back with more in just a moment on the Generations Broadcast. What happens when a culture that was established and guided by biblical principles abandons the faith and seeks to live by its own wisdom? In his latest groundbreaking work, Epic, The Rise and Fall of the West, Kevin Swanson unfolds the dramatic history of Western civilization, highlighting the phenomenal impact that Jesus Christ and His people have had upon the thought, culture, and institutions of the Christian West, as well as tracing the slow but devastating decline of Western civilization and the key factors that have led to our spectacular fall over the centuries. A sobering narrative of gospel hope This book urges its reader to greater fervency in the work of discipleship and the development of an international vision for the church. This is truly a must-read for any Christian seeking to understand the times and seasons in which we live. You can claim your hardcover copy of Epic, The Rise and Fall of the West by visiting generations.org slash store today. That's generations.org slash store.
And we are back on the Generations Broadcast. Kevin Swanson with you. We're going to get to this Barna survey. A lot of discouragement with pastors today. And more so than there was two years ago. Pastors are discouraged. And by the way, the word discouragement means a lack of courage. And courage is the willingness to act and to move ahead despite your fears and the seemingly incredible obstacles that place themselves before you. That's courage. Courage doesn't deny fear. It doesn't deny the existence of fear. It doesn't deny the existence of the obstacles. It's just willing to take one step forward every time and continue to go forward. Refocuses the fear fear on the creator, not on the creation. There you go. Well, according to Barna, about 38% of Protestant senior pastors surveyed considered leaving the ministry last year. Among pastors under age 45, that number is 46%, almost half. Almost half of pastors considered leaving the ministry last year for the younger pastors under 45 years of age. Pastors haven't thought about leaving the ministry say the immense stress of the job is the big deal. Current political divisions, feeling lonely and isolated, are the factors that have negatively impacted their ability to lead at their church within the past year. Confidence in the church has fallen from 60% in 2002 to 31% in 2022. So, This is all part of the leaving the church thing. So what we're finding is that that pastors aren't respected anymore. Back in 2002, respect for pastors' honesty was 64%. That's fallen off to 36% in 2022. It's about half of what it was 20 years ago. Nurses have a higher reputation 81% of Americans trust past nurses, 36% trust pastors, 67% trust doctors, uh, 64% trust uh, grade school teachers. I don't know if the same ones that do the the whole dance thing in front of the kids. I'm not sure if that's it, but evidently still 64% trust grade school teachers, 63% pharmacists, 61% military officers, 53% police officers, but 32% now uh, trusting uh, pastors. So we're, we're looking at the lowest trust in pastors ever in American history. So nobody really wants to be a pastor these days. Where, where, where are used car salesmen? Right the, there with right pastors. There. Yeah. 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 Used car salesmen and auto mechanics were down there somewhere around pastors. Is that right? Yeah. Wow. That's pretty much the bottom of the barrel. And I have no idea why, but my guess is must be a certain percentage that, you know, aren't being honest. Mm. Maybe that's the issue. Maybe the same thing with used car salesmen. I don't know. But pastors are not trusted much anymore. But but here's here's the big takeaway that I had to pick up on, Bill. I, as a young pastor, thought, well, you get a salary, you get a nice parking spot. <laughs> Okay. Um, 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 no, 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 if, if, if as a young pastor, you were able to afford a car for the parking stall, that would have been nice. Yeah. 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 But as pastors, I think above all, we need to understand we've signed up to die. Yeah. We, we are there to follow the master. Now we're all called to follow the master, right? We're all called to deny ourselves, take up the cross daily and follow Jesus. But in a very special way, I believe that leaders have signed up to be as their master. Jesus said, you are not above your master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. 
So we lay down our lives for the brothers and sisters. We face persecution, a rise of spiritual attacks. The devil is raking his claws over the churches today, more so than he has in the past, as I see it. And that's really hard for pastors who've been cruising along pretty good for the last 40 years. And I think, you know, I mean, I think Chinese communist pastors are used to it. I mean, okay, they know what they've signed up for. But here in America, you know, we had a basic respect for the Christian church and Christian pastors over a period of 400 years. And then suddenly in 2009, something happened. And we have this sudden fall off. And that is a shock to the system for the average pastor who has to ride through this. Now, my point is compare the pastor who has been under the heavy rod of persecution for the last 60 years versus the American pastor who's just walking into the fire. Wow. There's quite a difference. We've got to, I think we've got to warm up to the fire is what I'm saying. Does that make sense? Warming yeah. up to the fire. Yeah. Being called to the pastor is not a career choice. It's a calling. Yeah. That is above just, I'm going to choose a career. And the apostle Paul said, you know, we as pastors are suffering for you. And, and I don't believe that pastors in America need to consider themselves to be any different from the Apostle Paul. Colossians 1.24, here's Paul. I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church. And here's John 15 again. Jesus said, remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than the master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. Now, nobody likes to minister in a period of decline. And I get that. We are in a period of decline. It's a little more, I don't know, engaging when there's massive revivals and people are packing out the churches to hear the preaching of the word of God. But when you're in a period of apostasy and church discipline is happening every two months in your tiny little church, it's probably the most discouraging time for a minister in his career. It's a very hard time or in his calling. It's, you don't want to be Jeremiah. You want to be Billy Graham. Sure you do. Yeah. Sure. You want to be Peter in Acts 2. Well, not yeah. necessarily Acts 3. But not It kind of heats up yeah. in Acts 3. Yeah. But you, you want to be Peter in Acts 2 because why? Because... You know, 3,000 baptisms one day, that's not too bad. Yeah. yeah. But here's Jeremiah. You know, here is the church. Here is the steeple. Open the door. Where there are, ain't no people. Where are the people? You got to see my fingers. You I see. see, I see. And, and people can see it across the radio waves. Too. Yeah. There, aren't, there ain't no people there. There's nobody there. And nobody wants that ministry. Nobody likes to minister in decline. But here's one more insight that I think is important, Bill. The tendency. The tendency in a period of decline is for pastors to squish. But here's the point. In a period of decline, squishing doesn't help you. Do you agree with that? Right. The the tendency is always to politically to move towards the middle. Yeah. Theologically, it's to move towards the middle. And once you start that slide towards the middle and away from the anchor of Scripture, then you become squishier as the culture becomes squishier. Bill, I'm going to take some of these reasons for burnout one by one. Is that all right? 
Sure. Um, I'm a pastor. I've been a pastor for 22 years. Ask me if I've ever been tempted to quit. Have you ever been tempted to quit, Kevin? Uh, don't ask me that question. Every day. Stop it. Every Just day. Just stop it. Every day. <laughs> okay. All right. Number one issue with burnout is stress on the job. Okay. Now, how do we address the question of stress on the job? My guess is the reason for this is that we are carrying the burdens. Now, there's a solution for that. Pray. Yeah. Cast, See, I, cast your cares I, I upon think, him. I think too many pastors are not dedicating their lives to prayer. And you will pay for that. Get me? Mm-hmm. You will pay for that as a pastor. You, you will pray or die in this business. Okay. Put that on a bumper sticker. That sounds good. Pray or die. Oh, I like that. Okay. <laughs> Uh, so prayer, I think we carry the burdens because we don't pray nearly enough. Our, our meetings, our session meetings or eldership meetings, deacon meetings, whatever you refer them to them as need to be filled with prayer to the point where about 60 to 80% of your leadership meetings need to be a prayer meeting. Now that has been a huge benefit for our leadership in our church. So I'm just hitting these one by one. I totally relate to these things. Stress on the job. I get it. Current political divisions or just strife and conflict in the church, that's 32% of pastors. They just want to quit. Hmm. And I get that too, because that's, that's tough. That's, it's tough to ride through the heavy duty rapids, you know, level six, level seven rapids. You ever been down the, the white water? Yeah. You hit a four or five, that's a waterfall. But when you hit a six or seven, hmm. that's like, get out of here. Yeah. That's and we hit some six or, we get some six or sevens. As we get into uh, these conflicts, but there has to be spiritual men in the church. There has to be uh, a season of prayer. There has to be uh, a time in which we are willing to preach the word, uh, come whatever may. Uh, and you know, if, if we're going to preach the word of God, call men and women to repentance and bring the salient sins to bear in that congregation. And they throw my carcass out into the parking lot. So be it. So. As I see it, we preach through it. We pray through it. That, that's, that's my recommendation. Now, I realize there's much more to say about this. The, the third issue, though, is being lonely and isolated. This is one reason why pastors are burned out. They're lonely. They're isolated. That's 18% of them. Sometimes that loneliness is self-imposed. There's a pastoral theology out there that's very bad. And one of the pastors that attended a Reformed seminary came to me at one point and said, he had a pastoral theology seminary professor who said, you know what? These people, these sheep, these people you are with are not your friends. If you want a friend, get a dog. Okay. Now, as I see it, that's just wrong. That's a guy trying to protect himself from being hurt. No, no, no. You're supposed to be hurt. That's the whole idea. They sin against you. They, They gossip about you. They cut you down. They, they do everything they can at points to destroy your family. I get that. That happens in ministry, happens by the tares, by the wolves, by sometimes the sheep that are being sifted like wheat as Peter was by yep, Satan. That's what I was just thinking. Uh, so that kind of thing happens all the time in ministry. Hey, we're not above our master with this. Okay. We're following our master. We will be beaten in the process, but we, we can't, Jesus called his disciples friends and he then did. he died for them. Yep. Okay. So. So that's this the whole idea. Somehow you're going to be the professional pastor, kind of cruise in, give your message, pull back out, and you know, hang out with your dog at home. 
<laughs> I, I don't get that. That's not biblical. That's just wrong. That's lonely. That's isolated. No, no. Bill, I took three months off on a sabbatical most recently. Uh, and my brothers and sisters have given me this time off. My brother elders have filled in for me. It's been a beautiful time in which, well, I, I didn't pull back from the church. I actually embedded myself even more so in the church and spent more time on Sunday afternoons with a body, just getting to know and praying. And they prayed for me. I prayed for them. And, you know, my love for the body has just grown. I, I felt it was a good opportunity for me to further embed. So I wasn't always the guy up front, but I could be, you know, in the pews and directly after the message, you know, connect with other brothers and sisters in the foyer and, and stay there for two and a half to three hours at a time. So that has been a fruitful thing for me. And I, I feel like I'm part of the body. And I think a pastor has to be a part of the body. Even when you get wounded, even though you may have to forgive somebody 490 times, which I mean, that sounds biblical, doesn't it? Does that sound biblical to you? It was 499 times. Oh, okay. I got my math yeah, wrong. Four, 499. 499. Okay. Yeah. And um, then you can become bitter. So No, I don't think so. So this isolation, I just shouldn't be. I think also uh, pastors need elders, and there's some debate as to whether or not you know, there's a two office, three office thing, but bottom line is we need brothers in our lives. We need to submit ourselves one to another in the fear of God. And, and that multiplicity of elders in the body is important. We share gifts. We interact with each other. Uh, these guys, we live and die for each other. And that has been a beautiful thing for the number of years that I've served as an elder. A couple other reasons why people are burned out in the ministry. Church in decline, that's 12%. We talked about that. But, you know, you still got to press through these these things and realize God's in control. You know, Paul plants, Apollos waters, God gives the increase. And the other thing that encourages me here, Bill, is that, you know, at the end of Paul's life, he says, no man stood with me. And you think, here is the, the, the greatest apostle who did more missionary work than anybody else, planted more churches. And at the end, nobody stood with me, but the Lord stood with me. And that's all that mattered for him. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I look at history and find, you know, the great Puritan movement was just, you know, Adam Baum was put on that thing by Charles and James and, and the whole thing blew up. And there was, you know, three, 4,000 pastors that were pulled out of the pulpits and they were reduced to preaching in homes and barns through the 1660s, 70s, and 80s. And that was pretty much the end of Puritanism. And you, you say, well, wow, I, you know, we were hoping that there was something more that would develop out of that, but God had something else in mind and raised up the Moravians and the missionary movement, the 1700s. So God was moving his kingdom into other avenues. He's got something else in mind. And if it's not my church, it will be something else. And that's okay. Because you know what? I think it's better to see ourselves as, you know, all on the same team. We're all on the same team. We have a coach, and the coach is putting us at different places on the field, and we need to be okay with that, even if we're not quarterback right now, and we're just, you know, kind of— Third, third string quarterback. Third string quarterback yeah. and, and playing, you know, on your own four-yard line or something, not really making a lot of progress right now. That's okay. We're still on the same team, and we're playing for the same coach. Um, and by the way, if he pulls you back to the bench and you got to do— Gatorade for the next, uh, you know, two or three games. So be it. Uh, so remember these things, friends. I think I think we got to remember who we work for and know that Jesus is head of His church. He's very competent to the task. He is shepherding His church, and the gates of hell will not prevail 
against it. Now, here's one more point I want to bring, and that is a lot of pastors feel burned out because they just don't feel respected. Well, let me answer that because there have been points at which I've kind of, you know, moped in my oatmeal, so to speak, <laughs> and concluded that I just don't get mo- no respect around here. <laughs> the Rodney Dangerfield of pastors. The Rodney Dangerfield, yeah, yeah, just don't get no respect. Yeah. And but here's the answer to that. The answer is the focus is not on how much others are respecting me and loving me. The important thing is how much am I loving them? Mm. That's the that's the focus. We need to be loving the sheep. It's interesting. Alexander Strauch was uh, teaching us today at the Shepherds Conference and um, good messages on how to love one another in the body and how we need to be exhibiting ourselves as loving leaders in the church. He says, you need to have compassion on them. You got to be with the sheep. You got to love the sheep. Eventually you're going to begin to smell like the sheep. Uh, you're going to get to know them. You know, their struggles, a uh, good shepherd knows his sheep. He's, he's studying them. He's observing them. Uh, he's connecting with them. He's approachable with them. Uh, you know, he went through all these things and, and I say at points, I had to say, I'm not sure I'm that guy. I'm not the guy I should be in terms of loving the sheep. And yet I want to be that guy. I think that's the focal point. If we get ourselves back to the focal point and pray that we will become uh, an under shepherd that serves the chief shepherd uh, and love the sheep as the chief shepherd loved the sheep and gave himself for it, I think we'll begin to find ourselves uh, fulfilling our calling in the pastorate. Well, that wraps up this edition of the Generations Broadcast, my friends. Uh, you can interact with the program by emailing me directly at host at kevinswanson.com or host at generations.org. This is Kevin Swanson inviting you back again next time as we continue to lay down a vision for the next generation.